Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones, our guest host today. And we're talking about money because it's Friday. And first and foremost, we always do something about facts on Friday. And I've got one for you that was predicted 85 years ago. So I'm going to get right into it. Jeremy, you'll come in a couple more in a few minutes. I know you've got some that we want to talk about. So let's dive into these because this is a fact that I think is so, so good. John Maynard Keynes, of course, most of us know he is the father of Keynesian, our, our economy that we kind of use today and Germany's somewhat uh, very strong economist. 85 years ago in 1930, that by the year of 2000, Americans would choose to work as little as 15 hours a week because the buck of their material needs would have been satisfied and they would want to go out and have a time of life of leisure would take precedence. Now, what do you think about that, man? That's amazing. But he Here's the deal. He says, as of 430, the average American worker today is working 34.5 hours. Now, that's only part of the statistic, isn't it, Jeremy? Yeah, I feel like 65 would have been more <laughs> realistic. More realistic. Now, here's the thing. This is the Department of Labor says there are 6.99 million Americans who work multiple jobs. That's two or more jobs. And that's as of uh, April the 30th. There's, there's 8.55 million Americans who are still unemployed and continue to seek employment as of eight as of four thirty. So I mean interesting data. That's facts on Friday and that's an interesting piece of data that John Maynard Keynes would have said, Hey, we're not gonna need to be working as hard in eighty five years or whatever. Just, just tells you even some of the smartest can't predict the future. <laughs> that's exactly right. If they could, wow, wouldn't that be tough? Uh also there's another thought here. Too much education and not enough skills. The um Reserve Bank of New York has come out with this one says the nation's percentage of recent college grads age twenty two to twenty seven Working in jobs that typically do not require a bachelor's degree is 44.6% as of May the 1st, 2015. That's pretty unique and you're thinking about it. And surprisingly, this percentage of graduates working below their education has not dropped under 40% going back to as far as 2006. And, of course, Federal Reserve Bank of New York did that study for us. So, again, facts on Friday. You got one? Yeah, talking about gasoline, everybody's starting to travel. I know some people on vacation this week, so talking about summertime driving, the national average price of gasoline fell by 22 cents a gallon from Memorial Day of 2014 to Labor Day of 2014. So during the summer of last year, of course, we remember some of that took place, uh, the, the gasoline price. Do you think it'll happen this year? No. <laughs> no, I don't think it'll happen this year. That's just one year. And typically, you know, it usually it goes usually up. Usually goes up during the summer, but last year it dropped a little bit. What uh, about the price of gas? Yep. So sixty-three percent of the cost of gasoline is driven by the cost of crude oil. Everybody probably so, so literally sixty-three percent is driven by that crude oil, the barrel of oil. If it goes down, that's going to affect the price. But just sixty-three percent. Just sixty-three percent. So where does the, what makes up the 
the other difference of the cost of gasoline? Well, just distribution, marketing, and then, of course, taxes, and then refining charges that are also there at 8%. Wow. So distribution and marketing is about 16%, and uh, taxes 13 And, of course, as you said, just to refine it and get it out of the ground is 8%. That's the smallest portion of the whole thing. <laughs> taxes, I mean, what do you think about that? Taxes, 13%. Yeah, that's uh, it doesn't surprise me, but that 13% being there, that is a high cost of just knowing that it's not just one thing that causes the price yeah, of Yeah, it's going back to the use of our infrastructure and the roads. Well, if you tuned in, just tune in. This is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and along with Jeremy Jones, we have a very, very good program today for you. We're going to be talking about a little bit of the state of the market. You know, the Department of Labor has just come out again with their job report, and uh, we have two special guests that are going to talk to us for the next for the first half of the hour. That's Drew Johnson and Keith Quinn. We're going to walk through some very specifics about what's going on in the economy. We're going to talk a little bit about Greece. Uh, and I'm excited that the, we're going to talk about the new cars that are self-driven. And how is that going to affect our economy and what's the future for that? So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Remember, financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. And uh, if you've got a question for us and would like to get us on the air anytime, just uh, get us, give, give us the question. Simply send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And we'll be glad to get the question on. In fact, we've got a couple of questions that you can listen to. One about uh, finding your automobile insurance and how to do that. You'll catch us at the end of the program answering that question. Also, you can listen to us again anytime. Just uh, like us on Facebook or you can find us us at iTunes, search for Shoemaker Financial, and uh, listen to a program. If you like this program, only get half of it or part of it, just simply wait a couple of days. It'll be posted. And to find us at iTunes, search for Shoemaker Financial. Jeremy, we have a packed program. We've got Keith Quinn and Drew Johnson, and they can just throw out information like you wouldn't believe. All you have to do is ask a just, question. Just and, ask a and question, and you over. and I can leave. <laughs> they'll take over. <laughs> That's exactly what happens, you know. So let's start, Keith. You guys, welcome to the program. Drew. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm interested because, uh, you know, Greece is really kind of on the, the I guess, the news. It's on the, the tip of everybody's tongue. And having been to Athens and having to love those people, I, I just sense that, you know, I, I had someone to tell us one time, Keith, that if if Greece would just come to grips with reality— and and get their head out of the clouds, they would do fine. But they're they they have this whole mindset of of a you know they don't want to to take the pressure. They don't want to do what they have to do. So I'm interested in hearing your take on Greece and what you think. And are they going to step up and and pay the 
pay, pay the piper. Well, absolutely. And I think that's exactly the, the situation that we're in. And we have to remember that the Greek economy has been so weak that they were forced to borrow a lot of money. So they borrowed some money from the European Central Bank, the European Commission, the International Mon- Monetary Fund. And now the issue is paying that money back. Uh, they don't want to institute some of the pension and labor reforms that some of their creditors are requiring them to do yeah. in order to, to get that uh, 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 aid release. You know, the, the Greek prime minister, they have, uh, actually, Chris Seabold and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and his comment was that the guy's going to have to, you know, it, it, I mean, he's going to have to play hardball. And the Greeks really don't want to play hardball. And he sold the idea that they wouldn't have to go through right. with these reforms to win the election. And now, the uh, again, the Europeans aren't insisting that they do. Uh, and they have some pretty substantial debt repayments due this month. So it's introduced a lot of volatility and uncertainty into the market. Do you think that's going to affect the overall European area? I mean, is that going to is that a, a bombshell waiting to go off? I, I think it could, uh, certainly in the short term. Uh, but I do think that we're still in the position where they will be forced to kind of take a deal. So I think it's probably one of those things where the Greeks won't default on their debt, won't be forced to leave the Eurozone, but it does increase that volatility, just the uncertainty. Well, speaking of volatility, Jeremy, we deal with volatility all the time. And I mean, we want to explain to our listening audience that volatility is not just the market going down, but it is the market going up. And yeah. that's volatility. That movement, it, it, you know, it goes up and it goes down. And yet we have a tendency of this negative connotation about volatility. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, and, and we're going to talk to Drew and have Drew his comments about this. But, you know, volatility, Greece, you know, when you think of Greece having to do with something with the volatility of the market, well, that's just one thing, one yeah. piece of news right. coming out that affects the volatility. And it's, you think about it daily. Well, daily is so short term when yeah. you think about the volatility and what what's the market doing today? Well, most of us shouldn't even be worrying about what's going on today versus what's going to be happening in the future. But it's good to know what's happening today and making decisions on what you're doing. Well, I, Drew, I want you to kind of explain volatility to us and, and give us some data about volatility, because I think our listening audience needs to understand, and I'm, I, you know, that volatility is not a negative, that's not a bad thing. It's volatility is a real, it's part of the market. But don't put, don't hear the word volatility and, and make your mind immediately. And that's hard. That's very difficult for people to do. So walk us through some data about volatility in the market. Well, when we're talking about volatility, we're talking about the movement in prices that the particular stocks or indices are going to move in any given day. A person would not invest if they didn't want there to be volatility because volatility includes the upward movements as well as the downward movements. So when we're talking about over the last 35 years, the S&P 500 has had a positive return in 27 of those 35 years. So that sounds pretty good, right? But during those years, the average drop at some point is 14.2% over that same time, a double-digit drop over that time period with still positive returns in 27 of those 35 years. If you invested in the S&P 500 on December 31st, 1979, or rather you can't invest directly in, in the index itself, but uh, but the S&P 500 itself, if you took $10,000, it would have returned $500,568 over that 35-year period for an average annual return of 11.83%. That's volatility. In spite of all the volatility. In spite of all the volatility and in part because of all the volatility. Well, Keith, do you think that that's something that the average public, I mean, I mean, again, 
those numbers make me think, all right, well, I ought to invest in the market. Yet we still, I mean, Bob Dahl said this, Chris Sidball said it. We talk about it all the time. This is the most unbelievable bull market. Right. Uh, is it because we just, we ha- we have the, the mindset that volatility is a, a negative thing and therefore we, we don't, we don't like that, Drew, you said it, that short 14% downturn. We love the 14% upturn. We think everything ought to always go that way. But you said reality is it's got to go both ways. That's right. And, I mean, and really, I mean, over the last three years, it's really, for the most part, been less volatile than what it's historically been. Uh, it's it's normal to have those drops at certain points in the year, but that's just part of investing. That's why you have a long-term perspective with your investment. That's why you diversify, and that's why you rebalance and uh, and stay asset allocated. You said long-term perspective. Keith, in, in the reality, I mean, we've talked about this uh, multiple times on the program, that reality is this volatility that we're dealing with right now. We are in more of a volatile mindset for 2015, then True said that, you know, for 12 or 13 or 14, this year it's more volatile. It is more volatile. We have the specter of the Fed raising the rates at some point. And I know you guys talk a lot about that. And with the good employment number this morning with non-farm payrolls up 280,000, that kind of argues well for the Fed raising rates in September. And that does introduce some volatility in the market. But as we talk about a lot, downside volatility just means that companies you really like are going on sale. So it provides a lot of opportunities, especially uh, for active managers investing into the market. But it's a real number, too. When we say down 14%, you know, that's kind of an academic thing. But if you have $100,000 and you wake up tomorrow and you look down at your account statement, it's only worth 86. Yeah. That's very real. And it's hard to, to realize that that's not a bad thing in a long-term investment mentality. Well, I think that's so critical. And, and Drew, you said it. You had to have the long-term, Keith saying it. I mean, I mean, Jeremy, bottom line is the long-term mentality. I, I guess for our listening audience, you need to grasp the facts that if you're going to invest in a volatile up and down market, you have to have a long term perspective. Let's go back to what 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 types of terms when we look at investing from zero to two years would be a short period of time. And so you wouldn't put in the stock market. You wouldn't put your money into the stock market if you've got a two year horizon. Absolutely. I mean, it, you because you can't control what's going to happen. Nobody can. And so. You don't know, so you got to have a little bit of time to make up whether to handle if the volatility. That, if you have that lower downturn that Drew talked about, if you need about. the funds early on, like the two-year range, you're better off. You know just what's keeping what's it. part of the problem too with our with our the people today, listening audience, all of us to some degree is used to we could go to a money market account and get four or five percent. Maybe you could go to a six month C D, get four or five percent. And that allowed you to say, I'm invested, but it's a short time horizon. Today we don't see that. I mean, you know the rates today are less than one percent most Absolutely. of the time. Maybe, you know, you might get something that pays one and a half or two percent. Sure. I talked to someone yesterday, his whole retirement plan, he's very concerned about the market. He, you know, he said, What can I get? And you know, the reality one and a half percent. And uh he said, well, that's better than me losing something, so that's a problem. But that's not net of inflation, no, right? it's not that's net other, That's a whole other subject inflation talking about high inflation. jumps up there real quick, and so you can have a real problem. So, But one, zero to two years for short term. Now, we talk about intermediate term, and we talk about that college education fund that's out there. Maybe, uh, you know, you got a child that's going to be going to school in the next six years or something. Again, Drew, does that volatility play into that mindset? Should you be careful with that? Oh, it absolutely does. 
it absolutely does. I mean, you don't you don't want to create a situation where you're not where you're not going to be able to have any way to meet your goal if there is a market downturn. You want to have uh, your assets spread out so that you can appropriately adjust to changing circumstances. All right, then let's get this so that everybody listening understands. Zero to two years short term. If this money needs to be available to you within a zero to two year period, don't put it into a volatile market, right? Absolutely. Everybody get that? Absolutely. That's good enough. If it's three to seven years, three to eight years, maybe, but you need to be very conservative with it. Keith, do you agree with that? I mean, do you understand what we're saying with that? Absolutely. And when you have these shorter time horizons, you, you by nature, you just have to be more conservative. More conservative. You can't Which take the swings. You may have a very high risk tolerance. Right. But the reality is if that money is needed within two to seven years, don't go out and be volatile with it. Keep it simple. Keep it conservative. Now, long term, anything over eight years, there you're, you're talking about. Allow yourself to be in the market and look at your risk tolerance. Understand it. Rebalance, as you said, Drew. Very, very critical. Do a very well-defined, diversified portfolio. And then at that point, almost uh, shut your eyes. Put your foot on the gas and don't blink. <laughs> That's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. But, you know, we talk about that a lot, Jim, with volatility is the price we pay for that 11.8% average annual return. And you have to keep your hands in your pocket. You do. It's a great point. Well, all right. What about emotions? Let's talk about emotions, Keith. I mean, emotions, it's kind of what we're discussing here to some degree without saying the word. But how does that impact a person making a decision? Emotions are important. Emotions are one of the biggest uh, hurdles that I think a lot of investors face. You know, one of the studies we look at is the Dow Bar study. It's a quantitative analysis of investor behavior. And the study that came out this year looked at 2014. And what it found was that investors could guess the direction of the market right eight out of 12 times. So 67% of the time they got the direction of the market, but guess what their average return was? This is the average invested uh, equity investor over the last year. It was only five and a half percent. Uh, guess what the return of the S&P 500 was? 13.69%. So is that, that's 100% in the S&P? In the S&P. They if you would have left it alone, yeah. as you said, put yeah. your hands in your pocket, you would have gotten 13.69%. But when you try and outfox it, when you try and outguess the S&P, then you're down to the 5.5%. So really what you're saying with that is be careful. You cannot guess it. It's, got, it's, it's, it's a moving, breathing, living thing. Yeah, well, I, I look at the term, you know, loss aversion when I, it's really defined as remembering the pain. So when you're talking about your own money, oh, that's people feel when they feel in their pocket or their future, their financial dollars are down or they've lost money, per se, is what they think, mm-hmm. that they have to do something. Right. And so the emotions step in and they make a change or do something that affects the long term uh, performance, and that's exactly what this statistic is saying. And I know over 20 years, Keith, to talk about that, because I know the study really does point it out when you look at somebody who who has that mindset over a 20-year period. It really does. As, as you know, we don't talk a lot about one-year periods, but when you look back over the last 20 years, uh, the average equity investor didn't do as well as they did last year. They only averaged 5.19%. In the same time frame over the last 20 years, if you've invested in the S&P 500 on a total return basis and just left it alone, put your hands in your pockets, you return 9.85%. Now, the difference in an investment of a $10,000 investment, guys, is hundreds of thousands of dollars. It has a very real impact. 
of course, reminding everybody you cannot actually invest in the S&P 500, but we're just talking about an index. If you were invested in something like that, the index would be out. It's all really talking about emotions, about making movement. I guess, Jeremy, when we sit down with a client, when we're spending that, that FaceTime, when you're one-on-one, I think our reason to help the client is to help them keep them from pulling their hands out of their pockets and making changes. It's guiding them through that emotional time. Absolutely. That's that's seeking guidance to keep them from making those changes, those knee-jerk reactions, letting the news, the media, the you know, the emotions to kick in as we're talking about to keep from making that change that will affect their future. And it, and not only the emotion of fear, but the emotion of euphoria. I mean, Absolutely. we haven't, we kind of haven't even said anything about that. But all of a sudden, everybody wants to jump in the market because the market's doing great, and they get caught up. And that's sometimes, again, back to what Drew said, making sure you've diversified your portfolio. That's a great point. You know, the market has been really well done, really well over the last five, six years, and so the ones that are felt the fear to change and to be conservative, all of a sudden, want to be aggressive. Well, I think we've kind of laid it out. Keep your time horizon in check. I mean, if you know you got to need the money in the next two years, don't get caught up in trying to make a quick right. investment uh, and make sure that you understand the volatility. Diversify what Drew says. Rebalance, Drew. I know you do a lot of that in the office for us and stuff like that. Guys, Drew, I want to ask you a question. There's a lot about technology advancements. I want to hear about the driverless car. I mean, I want to buy one of those because I absolutely would love to be able to point the car towards the office and let let it fight Germantown Parkway. Does that make sense? Tell me about it. Well, I mean, the the science fictiony world that you know we all imagined and the, the the America imagined in the fifties and sixties. It may be coming a little late, but it may be coming here it's after coming, all. You know, right. in the near future. I mean, they're talking about cars that that where the cars will talk to each other and where the cars have built-in radar and. Uh, Google and Maps and all all kinds of uh, interesting technology to help them literally drive themselves from point A to point B without the need for a human uh, steering the wheel. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> My car drives better than your car. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I am not giving up my truck. I don't care how many driverless well, cars hey, they got to do the trucks, too. <laughs> it's gonna, and, uh, hey, they may come out with the technology, but I think it takes time to get the talk about the confidence and believing if I walked out right now and I got in this driverless car, I'm going to be a little fearful of, of a computer driving. No, this. but your son would not have any problem with it. He would and your not, daughter he, will he, buy two of them. You're exactly right. They will not know the difference. <laughs> and I don't think we realize, but they're actually testing these oh, cars yeah, on the roads in California. Well, you know, and Morgan Stanley put it in, into the economy phase, Drew. Tell us about that. That's really the kind of the key. And you got about 15 seconds. Oh, well, the economy phase, <laughs> yeah, 15 seconds. I mean, it's going to be a great opportunity for jobs for us. I mean, even if we're making the cars themselves overseas someplace, we're still going to be making a lot of the parts here in the U.S., and that's going to be great for the U.S. economy in the, over the long term. $700 billion to $2.2 trillion. Big number. Right. That's some big numbers, big guys. Number. I'm excited. Uh, Art, you going to get one? Absolutely. No. no. <laughs> hey, if you just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, driverless cars. I like it, man. You guys did a great job this morning. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
you know, we've uh, that's good information. It does give us some insight. We're going to get uh, a guy by the name of Chris Taylor in here in a few minutes. We're going to talk about some ideas about dealing with a strategy about how do you put a lot of this together. So stay with us because we've already got a program that will help you understand how to make the most of your money. So I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeff uh, Jeremy Jones. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Remember, this material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. Radio. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, you know, we were talking about uh, technology and, and, you know, we all the things. We've been talking about the driverless car during the break. And, uh, you know, yesterday driving down the interstate from I-40 coming from Nashville, I had the car drive right up. You know, I pulled right up kind of going around them. And all of a sudden there was a driverless car. I'm sure it was because she just decided, no, I'm sorry, not she. Oh, that's terrible for me to do that. What? It was a car. It was a car, a driverless car, moved over and liked to push me off the road. I mean, is that what happens if that happens, you know? And it's a really a driverless. I car. would like to talk to her to see <laughs> if it was her fault or really, really. <laughs> okay, you know, now that's where I thought we were. Headed. Yeah, that's where I thought we were. All right, I know who I'm really getting a driverless car for. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we've got Chris Taylor with us in the office, in the, in the office, in the studio with us now. Chris, and you know, we appreciate you being with us, man. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, all the time we talk with you, and I guess with what Keith and Drew were talking about, it's it's this mindset of the emotions, it's the mindset of investing, the volatility, and all those things going on. But what we'd like to, to discuss with you, you've got you're working with a generation of people that have to come to grips with the idea of developing a strategic idea, a mindset. And I guess if if I had to ask for a definition of strategy. You know, I mean, I want to be strategic with my finances. I want to be strategic with what I'm trying to accomplish financial, my whole idea. How would you describe that? How would you discuss a strategy, a plan, a thought process to help somebody to move into a direction that gives them a roadmap? What would, how would you do that? Absolutely. I think developing that strategy is very important. And like you said, I like to use the analogy. I like to describe it as a roadmap. It's a way to take where are you financially today? And where do you want to be at some point in the future? And it's building that roadmap to get you from point A to point B. And I like to use the analogy of, of building a home. When you build a house, the first step in that process is you lay your foundation. And once you have that foundation in place, then you can build the rest of the home exactly how you want to build it. And that's essentially what, what the, the process is like, is that you lay your financial foundation. And once that is in place then you're able to position yourself to be successful long-term. Okay, when you say that, I mean, I'm thinking of the person that we're talking to. How do you, how, in, in your practice, when you're working with someone, how do you motivate them? Or is there is there a motivation? To, how do you move them from point A to point B? How do you get them started to think about the foundation? Well, I think, I think the reality is that a lot of times there are just many other things that are competing for their attention or their, their focus. I think, for example, one of them that I see a lot working with young people is that there is a lot of other appealing things out there. There's that new car or just uh, maybe a buying a house or just a lot of things that are great things to have and great things to shoot for, but they compete with their focus and it, and it maybe get them a little bit off track from thinking long term. 
I think another thing too is that there may be some other focuses such as and they need to maybe they need to wait until they get to a certain point in their career or they need to wait till they reach a certain income level before they can start but my my goal is to encourage them that at a young age start now to develop a habit of thinking long term and thinking big picture and by doing that by building in that habit at a young age you're setting yourself up to be successful for the long term well i think it's uh, like you said asking people getting people to talk about what do they want to do what do they want to do and provide for their kids, for their family? How do they see their future? We talked about technology and the future. People have to be thinking about that. And it's very hard to do that because you don't think. We were joking about driverless cars, but mm. and we joke about the future. And I'm sure 85 years ago, people talked about you know technology and where it's going to go. And everybody laughed and joked about it. But look where we are today. I mean, we're constantly going to change. And people's lives are going to change. Mm-hmm. So they have to be thinking about that. So why do you think I, – I know one thing that what, what happens a lot of times, people do not put it as a priority mm-hmm. in their life because there's so many things, like you said, that take over their finance. Why do you th- think people don't view it as a priority? Well, I think that – again, I think one of the things is that, as I mentioned before, they may just – and I get when you're young, it's it's difficult to, to think past next week sometimes. It's difficult to think long term. So I think – a lot of that is they, they think they need to wait till they reach a certain point or a certain level, and they say, when I get to this point, then I'll be in a position to think. I think another thing, too, another big one that I see among young people is that coming out and starting their career, having graduated college, whether it's undergrad or graduate, is that student loan debt is a very big issue for them. Is that, that there's, They see a big number there, and there's an emotional attachment to that number. And that and it, it almost keeps them stuck in their current situation. So a lot of what my conversation I'm having with them is helping them to, number one, just develop a mentality of a long-term thinking. Mm, that's important. That's important, the Very long-term important. thinking. Long-term and thinking. that's difficult for that millennial. You're a part of the millennial mm-hmm. generation. Long-term thinking is extremely difficult. I, I understand that. It is. Uh, when we come back, I want you to give us – you had one, so mm-hmm. you have got a couple of more. Right. And I guess and I want to remind everybody, if you just tuned in, this is Talk Money. And if if you've got a question for us, just go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll get it on the air, talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. You can also listen to us anytime simply just by going to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Any part of this program you can listen to again or any program that you might find on there that you might find interesting. Also, financial basics. I know that uh, Chris, you and Stanton Brown are going to be speaking at Christian Brothers University on June the 11th. That's June the 11th at from 5.30 to 7, and that will be open for the public. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, because we just announced it. That's so right. <laughs> guess what? If it's not, it is now. <laughs> okay. That's right. All right. Financial basics. Now, and that's really what you're talking about on the air right now, the one-on-one, how do you get started, June 11th. That's 5.30 to 7, Christian Brothers University. And if you'd like to find out more about that, you can call Chris Taylor at 757-5757. We'll be right back after we listen to Rebecca Brazier and the Mid-South Moments. You're listening to KWAM 990. This is Talk Money. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money will return right after this. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is a true testament to the power of promises. As a struggling young actor, Danny Thomas made a vow that he would build a shrine to St. Jude, the patron saint of hopeless causes, if he ever found success. 
After hearing a story of an African-American boy in the South who died after a segregated hospital refused to admit him, Thomas decided to fulfill his vow by building a children's hospital in the South. At the urging of Bishop Samuel Stritch and in partnership with Dr. Lemuel Diggs, both of whom had strong ties to the Mid-South, Thomas chose Memphis for the site of his hospital. After establishing the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities in 1957, Thomas saw the opening of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital five years later. Since that time, breakthroughs at St. Jude have increased the survival rate for the most common form of childhood leukemia from 4% to 94%, making St. Jude a recognized leader in the treatment of cancer. St. Jude has saved and improved the lives of children from all over the world, and it all began with one man's act of gratitude. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Chris Taylor, and uh, he is one of our advisors. He works with the uh, the millennial age group, the guys that... Uh, Go through that mindset. They're struggling, and I mean, with the thought of a long-range plan, Chris, it's really—it's kind of like they've just gotten out of school. They've maybe got their first career. They're getting started. Maybe just gotten married, and it's hard to get their head around strategically thinking about the future. And that's very difficult. And I understand that. And you were giving us some ideas that they need to walk through. Go back through that for us again. Yeah, I mean, as you said, a big step is just developing that habit of thinking long-term at a young age, and. I think even more specifically than that, one of the things is that I mentioned before is that specifically is that student loan debt can be a, a big hurdle for them. And as I mentioned, that whether they're graduating from undergrad or, or grad school, whatever it may be, that there is a there's an emotional attachment to that that dollar sign that they see in front of them. And I certainly understand that. And, and my goal is to help guide them through that. My goal Jim is Shoemaker, also to Jeremy. help them avoid the mistake of letting that that a dollar amount make them stuck and prevent them from thinking about other things as well that can be good for them for the long term, other good decisions that will help them. And I think also, as I mentioned briefly before, that that the reality is that there are a lot of other things out there that are competing for our attention and our time and our resources, such as maybe it's a new car or a house. And these are good things in and of themselves, and it's perfectly fine to, to plan for these and to make them a goal, but to not let them as well make them stuck and help and keep them from making other good, important decisions. Well, you know, I think if you had to say to, if you had a young couple or an individual and they're, they're in their thirties or mm-hmm. 25 to 35, let's say, and they're new, what's the fundamental, we talk about the investment pyramid, mm-hmm. the, the fundamental, the basis, what's the first thing you get them started with when you talk about strategically long-term and probably, I mean, I, again, everybody wants to jump into the investment world mm-hmm. sometimes, but there are some fundamentals that they have to approach and have to understand it's the basics. What, right. Where would you go with that? I think uh, one of the big basics that I like to talk about is developing just we what I call an emergency reserves fund, just okay. developing an amount of money set aside that or a rainy day fund. This is money that is there so that when life happens and the unexpected events come your way, you can have the peace of mind knowing that you have money available that can help take care of whatever that issue may be. Do you be. have an amount that you set aside that you tell them? I know that you hear Dave Ramsey saying a number. You hear other people saying, what what amount do you try from a financial planner's mm-hmm. perspective? What do you try to work through with that? 
I like to give them a range of somewhere between three and six months of their expenses. Okay. And that gives them a benchmark to shoot for. And, and some people are more on the conservative side and they want to be more toward the three. Others may be on the other end, but that's a range I like to shoot for. Mm. Do you find personalities, Chris, when you're working with people, that personalities play an important part in this? I mean, I'm just thinking of the different types of personality. You've got the one that's very, very disciplined and very, de- you know, into the details. And then you got the one that's, uh, you know, let's go to a party. I mean, yeah. you know, does that make difference in how you do approach this idea of strategically planning? It does. And, and you're absolutely right that everybody that we work with is, as you said, has different personalities and, and approaches differently. And, and that's what makes what we do. I think it makes it fun because we get to interact with different types of people and, and that makes every situation different. But it does. It requires a different approach because different people simply have a different goals, different objectives, and they respond differently based on their own unique personality. Yeah, that also combines when you're talking about couples, personalities mm. just for individuals. But when you have couples that have most of the time, most of the different. time have different personalities. And that's the reason why it's important that they do it together. Mm. It's a it's a strategy. It's a plan together that they do it versus just one versus the other, because, again, they have to make decisions. You know, together. that is so critical. They make decisions. It is their plan as a couple. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I've seen over the years is. Uh, let's just talk about the simple part, budgeting. Just use that the most right. simple, you know, the, the the easiest thing to do. The reality is sometimes I watch the husband come in and say, we're going to, you know, this is a budget because we got to stop spending money, da, da, da. And they go through that process. And I, and I said, boy, this is going to be great. And, and, but I feel after you spend the time with them that all of a sudden it's a squeeze thing. Mm. And the lady of the house is told not to spend anything. And then all of a sudden, six months later, you're working with him and he comes in, he just bought a bass boat. <laughs> I'm going, where did that come from? You he know? saved well. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. took from one pocket and put it in his other well, pocket. I hate right? to tell you that. That was not a part of the plan, you know. I mean, but but you see what I'm saying. And usually, in what we see when we start with someone that millennial group, they start out and they have to take those small, unique little things, the little steps. The reality being that they as they're progressing, they have to learn to work together and they have to communicate what you're talking about, Jeremy. Yeah, I think this is a great conversation. This is one of the hardest parts: is getting started. And, you know, one one analogy that I use sometimes is talking about, you know, fighting for lifestyles. Yeah. You know, do you want your lifestyle today to win or your lifestyle in the future to win? And when you're talking about competing, most of the time we want to win one way or another. One way or the other. But I say in this situation, how about a tie? What if your lifestyle today and your lifestyle can in the future could be similar? Hmm. And so it's not talking about eliminating all lifestyle today for the to have a huge future lifestyle, but it's trying to have a tie. And so it's fighting for all these things that you want. We're not saying that you don't enjoy and have have fun yeah, with life today. Don't make this a, a crippling thing. Absolutely, it's just about the decisions you're making today can affect the future. Well, again, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Chris Taylor, and uh, he is giving us extremely good advice about the the unique part of why you need to develop a strategy financially. Why do you need to go through this process? Why is it important as a millennium to start out and just begin the baby steps of moving in the direction of developing a mindset, having the couples to communicate, having to work a plan that everybody agrees to and they get excited about? And, Jeremy, you're saying one that wins. 
It gives you, it doesn't penalize you today, and, you know, you get all the rewards of the future. You're balancing it, and that's what you're doing, Chris, is working with someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, that's so important. And uh, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. And, Chris, thank you so much, sir. You did a great job today of just walking through what I call the fundamentals and the basics, but so important. Yeah, thank you. It's glad to be here. Well, again, we appreciate you, uh, what you say and what you do. And if you just tuned in and you'd like to listen to the program and get all of the program, just uh, simply go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. You get the program. Like us on Facebook. We'd appreciate it. And if you've got a question for us, go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back after this. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Jeremy, you know, we've been talking to, I mean, a program that's really been kind of moving and shaking. I mean, we started out with Keith and Drew, and they really laid us out to the economy. And then Chris comes in and gives us some really good insight. And But now I want to kind of dive into a question that one of our listeners has given to us, and I, and I think it's important. If you've got a question for us, go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we'll get the question on. But this question deals with one that we don't get a lot about it, but it was just simply how about how much shopping my car insurance, and yet, boy, it's important. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, it, shopping, it, there's a lot of things that we, a lot of people shop for, and a lot of people, they, they just do it once, and they quit and it. They quit and they quit doing for, and it. forget and, about and it. And we had a question that says, how do I go through this? So we're going to give you a couple of steps of just very fundamental things to do if you've got to look at your, you know, simple baby steps to do as far as looking for car insurance. And I think it's one of those things that a lot of people forget to do, and you're exactly right. You buy it. It's good. It, you know, if you don't, you hope you never need it. Well, you're really not sure what you have. <laughs> exactly. You have car insurance, exactly. but what is what is what underneath is it? that? So here's step number one. I mean, if you just you know have, get your current policy, and at least we would suggest to you that look at it every six months. If you come in as a you know to do a financial plan, we're going to look at all your property and casualty. We we look at that. We may give it to someone to dive into it, but we just tell you this is what you need to do. Look at it about every six months. Says well, you know, look at your cost and the coverage, and pull out your vehicle identification number. Pull out your driving record. How much mileage do you drive? I mean, so many people don't even think about it. It does make a difference if you drive four miles to work or 40 miles to work and get all that information, recent claims, moving violations. Have you had a moving violation in the last? Never mind. I have have not. (laughs) How about you? I haven't had one this last six months or a year, even a year. But there's, there's one particular area on Highway 100 that knows me well. Keith knows about that. That uh, I have to, I have to go very slow through that. But you get all that together, and then go. This is step number two. Go to carinsurance.com and enter your information. Put it all in there. Put your policy information, and it's a pretty good little spreadsheet. Pretty little, you know, questions and stuff. If you get that in there, then and most of the time, and it wasn't that hard to do, you get some immediate quotes, and it just gives you a big picture of what you're looking for. 
Now, it's going to give you the companies that you haven't heard of. Uh, this one was um, Best Quotes, and then that one was um, Brightway or something like that. that I, I'm amazed that, you know, something I haven't heard of. But it's also going to give you the insurance, the 21st century, the Hartfords, the the Allstates, the Geicos, the Progressives, the State Farm, those that you know about. You hear them all the time. You see them advertised. And you can compare, and you can kind of say, which. but you have to be careful that you know what you're comparing, you know, and I and I always would tell you to go, if it's State Farm, it's your insurance or Geico, or I'd go back to your agent and say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. Tell me what I'm doing differently. And a lot of times, my opinion is, you if, if you've got a policy that you're not going to save a lot of money, it's worth to have your, your agent there with you when you do have a claim. So that's number one. And then but let's say you want to go to an independent, somebody that doesn't represent a specific company. You can look at that and you can go into finding out, you know, about an independent. You can actually independent. There's a there's a trustedchoice.com, trustedchoice.com, and they'll give you some of the independents that you can look at. So that gets you started and gets you moving in that right direction. And it gives you some good data to set back down with your person to say, OK, here's what I'm looking at. But you're not through yet. Because this is what shocks me. Then you want to know, how do they look like as far as complaint records? Mm. And that's big. You think about complaint records. I know we've filed an insurance claim on a fire. You've probably filed some insurance claims on some car accidents or somebody, you know, a fender bender. Those are, how do they handle it? Well, a lot of times the complaint progress is, is problem is sometimes bigger than just paying the money. Absolutely. And that's critical. So here's a here's a website. You can go into www.naic.org slash, that's a forward slash, C-I-S. Now, we'll keep that here at the studio if you missed it, or you can call us at the office at 757-5757, and we'll give you that. But if you do that, just go in and compare. And usually you're going to get a complaint ratio of about 100, and that's good. If it's higher, that's not good. So you need to, you know, understand that. But 100 would be fine, and that would be okay to get that mindset. All we're saying is step one, two, and three. Get all your data, compare it, look at the complaints, and then, it, you know, make a decision. You might save yourself some money. Yeah, I think insurance companies is all, any insurance you have, the backing of the company and the support and what they provide for you, the strength of the company is critical. And it, it's so easy to, as you said, you get your car insurance. If you don't have a claim, you put it on the, in the drawer and you forget about it. And, you know, maybe you could save yourself some money. It just reminds you all things financially. You need to evaluate it and look at it every so often to see what you have. And do you need to make any changes or updates? Absolutely. Well, if you just tuned in, we've had one of those programs. It's been a fast-moving program. Keith and Drew walked us through the state of the market Talked about diversification, talked about volatility, talked about driverless cars, and I loved it. That would help your insurance probably yeah, and, and avoid that, those, the, those. No speeding violations yeah. and no accidents. So <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, we took off with that big time didn't we, <laughs> about what that could happen. Then, of course, Chris Taylor came along and he said, hey, financial strategy, how do you go through that process? How do you spend the energy and the time to know what you're trying to put together? Well, again, Good, good to have you with the program today. Great show. Great yeah, weather today. I, great weather. And hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Of course, you need to know these people. Producer and board operator is Art Frederick. Does a great job for us. And we appreciate him a bunch. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Our production assistants, Eleanor Moskovitz and Katie Brashear. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. Of course, I'm here every Friday helping you 
Make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, Jeremy Jones, Keith Quinn, Drew Johnson, and Chris Taylor are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated Securities Dealer Member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your